to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, can we just start by like laughing at the slated MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year finalist, greatest team of all time, potentially getting bumped in the freaking second round? I mean, we can laugh. I don't know. I don't don't know that they're actually going to get bumped in the second round. But, man, was tonight just – like, it was almost like like how, like, every time Rudy Gobert switches a screen, like, in the – like, as soon as the playoffs start, it's like, oh, yeah, like, actually he's not – probably the defensive player of the year it was like that but like for a whole team of like award winners <laughs> with the bucks well, tonight. Just, all right honest honest question and this might be kind of disingenuous and this is kind of ton in cheek but mostly not what did Giannis tangibly improve on this year but managing the media <laughs> like it can't it can't be it can't be shooting he like he couldn't make his, a free throw. His last threes, night. his threes are a little. I mean, obviously tonight was not a good night for that. But I think, oh, oh, like if we're evaluating it seriously, I think, I think he did get more efficient in like basically every shooting category, right? Like if I'm remembering that correctly. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up his shooting stats while we're talking. And okay, like my my thing here, my thing here is like I really hate that for some reason voters have slipped into this kind of cop out of you know former mvp so they win their first mvp and then the next year if they're as good or even slightly better they're just penciled in as automatic uh mvp winners the next year and you know my thing there is how often do mvps switch or or like drastically change the the situation around them like it almost never happens right so all we're basically rewarding these MVPs for is continuing to be valuable in the same exact situation they were in the year before when the number one thing that, you know, the number one form of adversity that every team faces year in, year out, and every player faces year in, year out is some kind of turnover, some kind of major turnover. And so for like the Bucks here, the only major difference here is that Malcolm Brogdon is in Indiana um, but aside from that, and and that is a big deal, you know, but, uh, you know, it's also, it was also Milwaukee's choice that they did that. And on top of that, like beyond that, there's still a buzzsaw of a regular season team. And and so now we're just like, we're just penciling in. Yeah. Giannis was really good again. Well, there's a freaking shocker, you know? Yeah. It's and like they were, they were really good in the exact same situation that they were really good in last year. And then the playoffs, like, yeah. lo and behold, the playoffs have come around and some of these flaws are getting exposed again. It's like, you know, like Giannis, like, I think we're seeing some of the limitations in his game now that he's going to have, he has like, you know, a really smart coaching staff on the other side, like preparing a game plan just to deal with him and the Bucks. And look, he'll play better over the course of the series than he did tonight. Like, you know, and he's totally a legit MVP candidate. The thing that bothered me was like just basically dismissing 
that LeBron was even a legitimate candidate, like almost laughing it mm-hmm. off. Like, like the fact that like just arguing that he didn't even have a case, like, look, I, I probably, if I had a vote, I probably would have gone Giannis looking at the statistical arguments and stuff over the course of the season. But at the same time, like, I think there is something to be said for like, okay, you just basically did the same thing that you did last year. And like, what did you prove like that you are doing better than where you failed last year at that point. And like, now we're seeing a lot of those same problems like pop up, like, but like Bud, you know, another guy who like, I think he won the NBA coaches association association coach of the year. He did not win the actual coach of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he won it. Like the other coaches voted it like him as it. And it's like, like, I like I know he's like probably an above average coach but he doesn't make like adjustments all that well we've seen that time and time again in the playoffs going back to his time with the Hawks we saw it again tonight like not bumping Giannis's minutes up at this point in playoff games is inexcusable and then you see Giannis kind of falling apart in the clutch and like not either you know I don't want to be like the sports hot take guy that like demands that he demand to guard Jimmy or whatever but like like this is your defensive player of the year and two-time running MVP and like you know Jimmy Butler is lighting you up and you don't even ask to go guard him like yeah yeah and and like so I'm looking at his numbers right now right so obviously a different kind of season he played 63 games this year out of the however many games they played uh from three point range he went from 20 uh, 5.6% last year to 30.4% this year. So like yeah, it's an improvement like but like a 30.4% three-point shooter is pretty bad by NBA standards and especially somebody who has the ball as often as he has the ball. His uh field goal percentage actually so in his field goal percentage last year was uh 57.8 per uh, percent. This year was 55.3. Now taking more three-pointers so that's why you're seeing the dip in the actual percentage there. But like, I'm not seeing this like giant jump that just makes him, yeah, anybody who considers LeBron, who only got the Lakers to the best record in the Western Conference, when most people were penciling them in as maybe vying for home court advantage in the first round. Um, somebody who, like most people laughed at Frank Vogel as a, as a coaching hire, laughed at all of the Lakers role players because they waited out Kawhi. And then LeBron shows up and they succeed despite that. And it's somehow a joke that he's going to be, that anybody would put his name in the hat. No, it's just like, and all, all of us, all of a sudden, the Lakers were a juggernaut. He had AD. You can't reward him for that. Uh, and like Frank yeah. Vogel doesn't deserve to get coaching accolades because who cares that he was their third choice? He had LeBron and AD. They were never going to be stopped. Uh, look at all that talent right. on the roster. It's the same thing. It's like the you know like oh like the Blazers, best eight seed in history. The Lakers are really in trouble, and then they like gentlemen sweep them and like after like barely losing the first game. Uh, and yeah. like, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, well, the Blazers were banged up and they, you know, they never really had a chance in that series and da 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 da. Like, I, I did think that it was funny that, uh, I'm sure some of you over the weekend on Twitter saw a pickup hoops, like basically collection of receipts videos of people picking the Blazers great. over the Lakers. It was amazing. Uh, I, I laughed really hard when Nick Wright quote tweeted it this morning and said, like, this is a collection of some of my closest friends and some of the best NBA analysts that there are and Paul Pierce. And like that was so petty and unnecessary and hilarious that uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I also kind of sort of disagree with him saying it. Like, I mean, I, I appreciate here. <laughs> 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 
TV commentator, but like we're not we're talking about like hey look look Colin Cowards player, right? Colin Cowards is coworker, okay? Like he's got a like he he's not allowed yeah. to say that. Right. It's like Skip Bayless who like I'm looking for for actual analysis. So anywho, but, but yeah, anyway, I, this I is a Lakers podcast. There, quite frankly, well, but it, it it is kind of a Lakers topic though. Like the fact that the the, the Lakers are going to go, you know, or, or finish the year to walk away with like the only going to be being first team All NBA. Like that seems kind of off, especially when yeah. you consider like the the analysis heading into the season. So people are like. You know, oh yeah, of course LeBron and AD, uh, LeBron and team was going to be successful. My, I myself was one of the people who were like, I'm a little nervous that Rajondo is going to play significant minutes at the fr- at the point guard spot. I myself was somebody who was a little nervous about Jason Kidd uh, performing a coup on on Frank Vogel. And also, by the way, one of the funnier headlines over the weekend was Jason Kidd wants the job. Inside, I forget what other what what job Jason. He wants Kidd, hey, respect to Jason Kidd's agent. Like he is working overtime on these leaks, well, like on the weekend, and like getting that out on a Saturday. Like you know, you got to respect the hustle. No, I, I do, I do, I respect the hustle. But it was funny to me, you know, like even Jason Kidd's agent couldn't spin. Like, yeah, he's actually a finalist for this job too. The reporters are finally like, dude, come on, he's not. He all right. Well, what if you just write that he wants? Like, it? fine. We'll write that he's interested. We'll write that he's interested. <laughs> so am I. By the way, I'm also interested in in making millions of dollars for the one contract that I'll. I'll... Yeah. But yeah, like yeah, I I, I what 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 bothers look me anytime you can like... make ten mil for like four weeks of work before you get fired, you got to do it. <laughs> you have four weeks i that's like yeah. one of the nicest things you've ever said about me i, I anthony I you had, have I to had. last four like you'd last four weeks just for sheer like they would not want to fire someone that quickly <laughs> like it would take four weeks for it to become like untenable you know what i mean like obviously the like the players wouldn't respect you from day one but i think it would like yeah. we see how this stuff goes in the nba like gms don't want to fire their new hire you know it'd take four weeks at least i mean the the gm and i would walk out together Yes, like that's whoever, probably true. whoever, whoever hired me to be a head coach would would be fired immediately and rightfully so. Yeah, um, sorry, but, Elton but Brand. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't hire me. I'm not a quote unquote basketball mind. Um, yeah, but like when I when I when I look at so Pete and I have this conversation quite a bit, and we always kind of come back to look. We know that it's never we're never going to look at the NBA through the lens of like. Uh, like these year-end awards aren't going to actually mean as much as they should, right? Or, 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 or should actually, you know, we'll finally get to a point where they don't define, you know, that season. Um, mostly because it's weird that the first, you know, few rounds of the playoffs aren't counted at any point, right? We go from regular season MVP to then finals MVP but like the the most important stretch of the year getting to the finals just doesn't matter anywho but like we always talk about either we devalue the awards themselves or we get better at voting for them and one of the big things that i really wish we would get better 
reports from beat reporters who have been beat reporters for like 35 years and they're still counting like number of trips run up and down the court as why somebody is 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 actually really good at basketball one of the guys for defensive player of the year some some new york writer voted for i think he had andre drummond first and hassan whiteside second which is like insane right anybody who has watched hassan whiteside ever will tell you he cannot defend unless like his contract unless he's in a contract here yeah exactly yeah but it's just look i think i think Giannis is mostly deserving as an mvp i personally would have voted for lebron because of what we've been talking about right that Ooh, that's smart the lakers, get, the, get the get the laker fan points that's good hey like i, I have my ear tied. i'm i'm coming i won't get credit for this anyway they, they according to lakers twitter i still or no lakers, lakers reddit is going to be like Irwin. lebron is my mvp uh like that's going to be the he headline is. tomorrow yeah it's wild. It's no, wild look, I, I think he had a totally like, legit argument. And I think you're, we're seeing now like some of the stuff. It, it's like the thing that I just hate about these awards votings. And, like, you know, I promise we're going to move on to like talk about like the second round and stuff in a second. The, the thing that I just hate about this stuff is like I, I know that to some degree it's rewarding the stuff that we've seen that year. But like why? Like the, it's the selective amnesia about the the year before in the playoffs or the years before in the playoffs in the case of like somebody like yeah. Rudy Gobert, who, you know, I know I pick on a lot, but like, I just think like, you know, like for lack of a better term, I think he's fraud. Like, you know, like he's, he's a system <laughs> player and the jazz, like they have a cute, like great defense during uh, the regular season. We've seen it succeed, you know, against like uh, we've seen it succeed against like Paul George when he completely falls apart. But outside of that in the playoffs, like, you know, like we've seen that get exposed and we see it like every time AD goes against him and drops 40 on his head, you know, like it's just, that's yeah. not a defensive player of the year when it matters. And so I just don't know, like what, like it just feels like a participation trophy at this point for some of this stuff. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I'm just, I think you're being a little hard on crepe mim, but you know, we'll move on. Uh, let's take a quick let's take a a quick second here and when we come back let's uh, look ahead to what the matchup might look like as uh, Houston and OKC get ready for their game seven and Denver and Utah get ready for their game seven the uh, Western Conference second round is still kind of taking shape as the Eastern Conference has already kind of kicked off so uh, let's come back and talk about that here in a bit. It's kind of crazy, right, that, that uh, we're seeing both probably the, the two best teams in the league. I think I've, I've landed on the Lakers and Clippers being the two best teams in the league are going to get additional rest. Like you would think the league would maybe say, all right, let's, let's maybe hold off on some of the Eastern playoffs until because until, they're going to be like two or three games deep by the time the Lakers and Clippers play game one of their series. Well, but you can also make the argument that as they move on, like they'll get more, whoever comes out of the East will get more rest before the finals. I guess. I mean, you know what I mean? So like, I think that stuff all evens out. Conference teams. Yeah. Well, that's true. But no, I, I I think I, I just, (laughs) it puts, it puts everybody in a tough spot. Either way, the Lakers and Clippers both have a couple extra days off here. Uh, The Lakers will have two extra days off. The Clippers will be uh, finding out tomorrow night who they're going to be playing. Boy, 
Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz dropping a 3-1 series lead would be like that moment on Twitter is going to be extraordinary. Sign on to Twitter. Yeah. Even if you don't have a Twitter account, create one just to see people dunking on Rudy Gobert. It'll be just like a playoff game. It'll be just like watching him guard Anthony Davis. Yeah, right. But I'm, I'm interested in heading into the series with Houston and OKC. The kind of, I guess, popular analysis was that Houston was, was pretty clearly the better team and, and you know, extension, the more dangerous team for the Lakers. But seeing as the series has gone and uh, seeing as Russell Westbrook was having another one of those playoff Russell Westbrook moments. Uh, Anthony, I, was, I watched that game. We both watched that game tonight. I counted at yeah. least two times where he passed the ball out, of, including on like one of their last possessions, where he passed the ball Big out of possession. bounds to literally no one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Weber kept – it wasn't even just that like he had those two super obvious turnovers that we were like, well, that's kind of odd. At one point, I, I, I texted – um, a couple of the people who covered the Thunder, and I was just like, does he have like a hand injury? Because why can't he complete a pass? Because even the passes that he was completing were like way off the target too. But I, I'm, I, do you, A, did you feel heading into the series that Houston was kind of the more dangerous team for the Lakers? And then B, if so, did you, have you seen anything that kind of makes you shift off that position? Uh, okay, so to answer the first one, yes, I did to the point that, like, I believe, I, you know, I'm, I'm expecting if the, if the Thunder win this series to get old takes exposed because I believe for, like, the first week of the playoffs, I referred to just Houston as the Lakers' second-round opponent. I don't even think that I gave, oh, no. like, OKC a chance. Um, so <laughs> uh, I have not seen anything at this point that makes me think that uh, the Thunder are not more dangerous for the Lakers than the Rockets are. So, like, I think that I think that Houston is the more dangerous team, to simplify that. Um, I, so, I haven't seen anything that's changed that opinion. I do think that OKC is a little bit better than I probably gave them credit for. But um, I still think that, like, Houston is, like, clearly, uh, like, a, a, the bigger threat. Like, are you in agreement with me on that? Or do you have, a, do you have an OKC hot take? It's not that I think OKC is the is the bigger threat. It's that I think Houston is much less of a threat than maybe I thought initially. Yeah, well, I like, the I, thing not... that I I was talking about was like uh, we we heard a lot of talk today, uh, like from Rockets blogs and like national analysts and like people like that that were like that were talking about like like oh like Houston could really upset the Lakers like they they maybe have the best player in the Here series and they have the best defense in the playoffs and it's like did we not just go through this with the Blazers like what are we doing here? Can we actually can we can we pull behind the curtain on that? I mean, sure, yeah, if you want. Let, let's get into it. So for those of you who are, who are paying attention, there's a booming industry on the back of, hey, let's shit on the Lakers because you're going to get the attention of everybody who doesn't like the Lakers, right, who wants to agree with you because they're thinking emotionally and not logically. And then on top of that, you're going to get uh, clicks from Lakers fans or attention from Lakers fans who want to dunk on you for saying something dumb. So – like you have, like it's it's this double whammy. You see it. You see a lot on like the years. You see it a lot on the debate shows, especially or like sports radio. But like, like it does seem like it's making its way more into the blogosphere now. 
Yeah. Well, and like, it, look, some of those people probably have like genuine, te- like they've genuinely talked themselves into this. Like, that's why the question that I'm asking more, like, I agree with what you said, that like, sometimes there's that element of it. But the question that I'm asking more is like, for the people that genuinely reach that conclusion, and I do think that there are some, it's like, like, and that was before the Rockets game, then their collapse tonight, to be fair. But like, I just don't understand how, like, you can see what the Lakers just did to the Blazers in just completely demolishing them and destroying, like, basically their win to their will to win the series and get by game four. Um, like, mm-hmm. I just don't understand how we can say, like, okay, like, like you can say the Rockets are going to be a dangerous matchup for the Lakers. I do think that that, that is true. I think the OKC is to like a lesser degree as well. Like, obviously, anything can happen. Like you know, in the playoffs and like in this weird environment and all this weird contacts and everything going on, but like to just come right out and like, you know, like pick them. I I don't know. I just can't get behind that. I mean, maybe there are some people seeing some things I'm not seeing, but like, I I think, um, I mean, honestly, let's get into the resumes. Like, 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 do you want to make the case for why you think that Houston is dangerous? Well, I mean, they're just a high variance team, right? So if you have, you know, so it's a seven game series. And if the Lakers have a poor shooting night like they had in game one of the Blazers series, all right, there's one win for Houston. Like PJ Tucker, who might not be in the NBA, the charge call, if he picks up, like if he, (laughs) if he, that is your hot, that is the hottest take you've ever dropped on one of these podcasts. And it was so casual. Oh my God. (laughs) If he, if he takes a couple charges and like James Harden throws himself into AD and he gets into foul trouble. Okay, there's another loss for the Lakers. And then if Houston just has two of their high variance shooting games where they make like, you know, 33 out of 47 three pointers or something stupid, then there's your two losses, right? So that might be able to win over the Lakers. OKC isn't explosive. Well, hold on, in the hold on. Before way. we move on to before we move on to OKC, I just I, uh, to speak to your point on Houston. I, I I did some digging and some research for this, and like uh like Houston does take like they actually don't shoot that much better than the Lakers on threes. Like uh so far at least in the playoffs, they shot thirty six point four percent. Lakers have shot thirty four point three, but they take. 52.8 threes mm-hmm. per game so far. And I think that was going into tonight. So I'm sure that these averages are a little bit different. The Lakers take 35. Um, like at some right. point, like three is just worth more than two. And even if you shoot about the same on three pointers, if you're taking like fi- like 17 well, less threes. Yeah, if you're taking 17 less threes than your opponent, you're just going to lose. Like, if you shoot the same percentage, it's just that's just math. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, unless you're like getting an insane amount of free throws, which you like, I don't know if you could win the free throw battle versus Houston, even with the Lakers being no. bigger than them and picking up some cheap fouls that way. Like, because James Harden's going to pick up a bunch of cheap fouls going the other way, you know, with the way the guards are officiated. And you could just basically lean into a defender and toss up a shot. Whereas, like, LeBron takes like, like gets punched in the face, and the rest are like, well, you know, it looks like both, like it was equal contact, uh, double foul. Uh, and yeah, there was like, contact on both sides. Yeah, exactly. Like the Lakers actually, like who, I mean, I kind of spoiled this now, but like, who do you think has the better offense in the bubble so far? 
I think it's the Lakers, right? The and Lakers do. Houston has a better defense. Houston has the <laughs> best defense in the bubble. Which one of those two things do you think is more replicable to go forward into the next series? Do you think it's Houston being the best defensive team in the entire NBA or the Lakers like keeping somewhat of a semblance of their offense that they've shown so far? Well, OKC is a weird team. So, so yeah, to yeah. answer your question, like the, the Lakers, the Lakers, you know, continuing what they're doing. OKC is this really weird team because like basically with Chris Paul, you want to surround him with shooters and yeah. like Steven Adams isn't like this incredible pick and roll finisher. Um, he's a better passer than I thought he was, but, but for the most part, I've been kind of disappointed watching him play. And he's then, a pretty good you know, finisher. Only... He's just not really good at anything else in my opinion. Well, so, like, if like he can't he just... get downhill and get an open dunk, like I, he's not going to do a whole lot. Right, and you're not going to get that against Houston. They're too small, yeah. and, and everybody's looking to, like, stand in front of them and fall over. And then, yeah. you know, Danilo Gallinari is is a really good shooter. So so those are the two players that, like, it makes sense to have around Chris Paul. Dennis Schroeder makes no sense whatsoever on the court next to him. Um, I know everybody loves uh, Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander, but, like, I'm watching that. His shot, looks, his shot looks awful. Like, his shot doesn't look like it should go in very often. Um, you have Terrence Ferguson getting some minutes out there. Lou Dort is this, like, kind of cult hero or whatever. But, like, people were thrilled that he made a jab step three-pointer. So, like, Yeah, he just, went on a personal really 8-0 team. run, and people were like, oh, man, like, this kid's going to win MVP. Uh, but, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean – his name's really fun to say and he plays re- he plays his ass off on defense and he has a cool story yeah. but like yeah i mean he's he like bigger shoot. david Waba. yeah yeah no honestly like it that's not like that crazy of a comp like to be honest yeah and and so like and pete and i like i made the point on on our show with with pete and we were talking about how like it, I basically the, the the premise or the question that i was asking was all right do the lakers have a pitch against the against okc that OKC's batters wouldn't be able to hit, right? And um, and I basically said they're going to have a rookie ask, you know, that they're asking to to guard LeBron the vast majority of the time. Unless Dort is like the greatest defender of all time, they don't have an answer for LeBron. Uh, a rookie who a was bar- to, to just to remind everyone, I believe was a two way player earlier this year. Yeah, he's an undrafted rookie. Like he was an undrafted. Yeah a rookie and you know like those players aren't typically the kind of guys that shut down lebron james nobody shuts down lebron james yeah lebron is too smart he's too smart and he's too physical so to answer your question i don't think i don't think okc scares me all that much and and like houston the thing they also anthony the other thing the, the other reason they should not scare you is that uh they have the worst offense of any playoff team which is like i mean there you go that's that's the rockets defense right there is like like that yeah. that's what you get by playing off lou dort playing off steven adams like all of that stuff right. and like baiting them into these like you know like up and down running contests and trying to get them to shoot threes like that's how houston ends up with the best defense it's not because houston's the best defensive team in the bubble so like i see people throwing around that stat like okc like you know they're a decent offense and everything like they probably aren't the worst offense of any playoff team like if you're we're going to play these playoffs a thousand times but like you know like they can go really cold and the lakers like in case everyone's forgetting have one of the best defenses in the league this year and like you Mm -hmm. don't think that like if the rockets can figure out how to defend okc that frank vogel can come up with something with his staff like come on 
Yeah. Well, same goes for Houston is, is my thing too. I think the Lakers are pretty decently equipped to deal with Houston. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, some of that stuff, like the type of player that makes me the most nervous, nervous against the Lakers is the really big small forward Kawhi, Paul yeah. George, even Luca type player, because, you know, unless you really, really believe in Kyle Kuzma, don't really have anybody that can be up with a player like that. Maybe Markeith Morris, but I don't think you want to just ask Dallas or, or, or just ask the Clippers how confident they were that uh, Marcus Morris wasn't going to get himself tossed every other game. Should have gotten tossed out of two of them. Um, but so for, for but with, with Houston, they don't have like a really big small forward that can, you know, overpower everybody that goes up against them. James Harden is really effing good. He's one of the best offensive players I've ever seen, but he's not that kind of a player that, of, of the, the prototype that has really given the Lakers fits this year. Uh, Russell Westbrook is actually a more difficult guard than I thought he might be this year, especially since they've gone to this micro ball, but he very clearly doesn't look right. So if he isn't right, and he's also a Lakers weird matchup for the Lakers. To... Like health, health aside, like it, he is a hard guy to figure out like who the natural, like which body do you throw at him is, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think like that, the, I, not that I'm more worried about him than Harden, but I just, I like, I feel more confident that I know how they're going to defend Harden than I do with Westbrook. Like, I think that's like a bigger wild card. In, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that allows him to play free safety and kind of help out extra. Right. So, had like a wide open three pointer, pump fake, pump fake, and force some kind of. I think on that one, on the speaking of, got the rim and and got a an uh, an and one on a ghost call, but like he took that one twenty footer that went feet also, you know. So if you just if you just close him off from the from the from the basket i think you kind of take him out of the game i think in big possessions i would probably the most confident having ad on him but i don't i don't know if that's how they would actually that but but either down to is again and this is to bring this whole conversation full circle i feel like with a lot of like large platform media they start with the point that they eventually want to get to and they try to find points along the way that get to that to to the get to that point, right? They try to find facts along the way or arguments along the way that get to yeah, the Blazers could really give the Lakers a hard time, as evidenced by who do the Lakers have to guard Dame Lillard? Well, who the hell do the Blazers have to guard LeBron yeah. James? Who's a better better that, than no. Dame Lillard? That, that's a great point, and that's that, that's why I was going to say, like, this almost feels like a little bit of a microcosm of the Blazers thing, where everybody's going to talk up Houston, everybody's going to talk up all the things they can do without considering, like, like do you think, it's it's like going into the, the Blazers series, it was like everybody's like, the Blazers don't, the Lakers don't have an answer for Dame. It's like, I mean, I'm more confident that they're going to figure something out than I am that the Blazers are going to, like, abracadabra a way to, like, have defenders for LeBron and AD, and I feel kind of similar 
similarly about this series. Like the Lakers, again, they're, everybody's going to talk about them being one and two versus Houston this year, but you honestly have to throw almost all of those matchups in the trash. Like the first one was before Houston went micro. The Lakers won that one. The second one was literally the first game after the trade deadline. So literally no one had any tape on how Houston was going to play. And that was a really weird wonky game that the Lakers didn't actually yep. lose by that much. And then the third one, LeBron didn't even play. Like the Lakers sat their guys and just like basically played the small ball experiment that didn't work. And like, you know, I think that leads to maybe some concern is like trying to figure out like what small ball lineups they're going to have to go with to counter. Can they play their big lineups or are they just going to go down 15-0 every game? Like, you know, how does that stuff work? Like there are concerns here, but I'm more concerned. I'm less concerned about them figuring some of those things out given what we've seen from them this year than I am about like Houston just like for all the things that you mentioned, like how are they going to guard LeBron? How are they going to guard AD? Like will the Lakers still try to post AD up every single time and bail Houston out? Like probably not. I think they're going to figure out some other ways to attack with him. Right. So basically what it comes down to is the Lakers can throw a punch that Houston can, they can dunk on occasion. They might be able to, to, to create a glancing blow on occasion, but if the Lakers land that haymaker, there is nothing that Houston can do, which is if the Lakers go by an aerial assault and try and, and force Houston to play way above in the way that Dwight can, in the way that JaVale can, in the way that LeBron and AD can. And Houston, like, they're all 6'7". They can't get up that high without, like, a yeah. running start. And, and so, like, that's something that the Lakers can do consistently that Houston has no chance at stopping consistently. Whereas Houston... There are things that they can do that catches the Lakers by surprise sometimes. But for the most part, there are things that the Lakers can do that can sustainably guard what Houston can do. And now, like, is this all this to say, I, I laid out the, the way that Houston wins this series anyway. And, and maybe you and I, you know, maybe should have taken Houston more, more seriously in the first place. But as things stand right now, like if you just go fact by fact, the, the ending point is probably a Lakers series win, but, but that doesn't get the, the extra attention that making some disingenuous facts or, or, or points along the way to arrive at, yeah, Houston's probably going to win this series against the Lakers handily and then piss off Lakers fans and get a whole bunch of, you know, gleeful retweets from, from all five Clippers Twitter out there. And like, maybe that's how that thing winds up, but, but, you know, that's not – you and I are making pennies compared to what those guys are making for Fox and ES. Maybe we should be doing our stuff differently. Yeah, it's true. I, I think maybe they figure – I think we just maybe figured this out. So, actually, I'm going to pick the Rockets to uh, beat the Lakers, yeah. I think. Um, just ignore everything that I just said. Uh, you know, I, I, does AD have a championship mentality? I think, uh, I think well, that's look, like a solid well, place look, to start. Who do the Lakers have to guard Jeff Green? It's true. If Jeff like, Green goes off, like that could be a real X factor for the Rockets. Yeah. Um, and then like, as the Lakers far as, have to guard Eric Gordon. Yeah. It's, it's an open question. I don't know. Um, as far as OKC goes, like, I think if it seems like we're taking them less seriously to anyone listening, like that's because the Lakers went three and one versus them. They won the third game of the series with no LeBron, no AD and no Danny Green. Um, and yeah. like they lost the game in the bubble, but clearly weren't trying that hard. Like, I just think that this team has shown that they're better than the Thunder, like pretty significantly too. 
Well, it, the, the way I, I would basically put it is the Thunder are closer to a traditional back basketball team, right? Where you have your traditional center in, in Steven Adams. You have now they're a little, you know, they're new age traditional in the front court and that Nil Gallinari can, can, can go out there and, and hit three pointers. They have Lou Dort, who was like your, like he was, he's a small forward from the 90s where they were basically just like super, they were track stars that, they they put basketball shoes on them and they said all right go out there and and be super athletic and then from there they have like they they play this two guard front with Chris Paul and and Dennis Ruder but that really plays into what the Lake yeah one of Danny Green or KCP can kind of take it off you know take a possession off and and we just saw just them deal sure with a Schroeder better version doesn't... of this backcourt yeah so so like it's just the way that you beat the Lakers is is with non-traditional lineups, right? Like like you would see from from the Clippers when they go super small, as we saw with Houston earlier in the year when when they caught the Lakers by surprise with their micro ball. Um, but the way that you that that like if you're going to beat the Lakers with with a traditional team, you have to be really effing good. So like Milwaukee come is yeah. plays you know semi-traditionally. Um, and then just plays better sometimes on some nights than the Lakers do. But, like, OKC isn't capable of that. Like, they're a traditional team that's a worse traditional team than the Lakers, so they have a lower floor and also a lower ceiling. So it's just it's just a really bad matchup for them. The, the Lakers are, anyway. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's going to do it then. We'll see how that series turns out. We'll see how uh, – the Utah game is going to be fascinating to watch as well. Uh, and then, and then we're into my favorite time of the year. The second, the second round of the playoffs nowadays, especially now that the East isn't completely worthless is actually really fun. Like we're, we have four really good teams in the, in the East. We have four really good team. Well, three really good teams in, and bears team uh, in, <laughs> in the West. We'll see if they actually get out. Um, for this is my favorite time of the year, man. I'm, I'm no, the playoffs have been really fun. And, and like what we actually got here. Yeah, the yeah. playoffs have been really fun. I, I'm really glad that we're getting to watch it play out and that, they, you know, we at least have, like, some break from our, like, you know, pandemic apocalypse uh, reality a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Please stay uh, Although safe that out said, there. that said, I am not excited about dealing with uh, Info Rockets Twitter should they advance. Like, that's, uh, that, that is what I'm least looking forward to about a Houston series. Yeah, well, I just went and basically blocked all of Clippers Twitter, and I think I have most of Houston Rockets Twitter blocked too because they were all saying that the Astros aren't actually the worst thing to ever happen to Major League Baseball. <laughs> but other than that, though, um, please stay safe. Hey, make sure you guys are checking out all of the shows across this entire network. Everybody on here is doing great work, and I also get to participate. So make sure you guys are tuning in for all of that. We have shows right after the games. We have stuff like shows like today where we take a wider look at the entirety of the league and, and, and how that all impacts the Lakers. So, so great hosts across the board. Uh, Harrison and I also hot pop up on here every so often, uh, <laughs> but most, most importantly, stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next time.